The following audio is from Life Journey Church. More information about Life Journey Church is available at www.lifejourneyva.com. So uh, one of the... That's a great video. Appreciate that. Walt put that together for us. And uh, I miss that place. One of the coolest things that I did that I think y'all would hate, and I say that in, in love. I'm being funny here. I'll get serious in a little bit. But Walt approached me uh, one Sunday morning. It was like 9 o'clock. He said, hey, uh, Ron asked me last night if, if I thought you'd be interested in preaching today. So do you want to preach? I'm like, okay, thanks for the, uh, the notice. I'm used to two weeks. I can do a couple hours. It's no big deal. And so I got to preach on Sunday afternoon. But what I, what I had the privilege of doing was I would speak. How many of y'all are familiar with Twitter? All right, Twitter, you get 140 characters. You better make it count. Maybe it's 160. That shows how out of the loop I am. But I had to, to preach like a 10-second soundbite, and then Jerry, one of our translators, would translate that into Spanish. But it didn't stop there because the lady on the other side of Jerry would translate it from Spanish into Quiche, which was one of the Mayan dialects that was prevalent among the villagers there. The problem is I would use so many... Uh, uh, euphemisms, figures of speech, whatever you call it, in the English that would translate you know, quasi-decently into Spanish. And so when Jerry would copy whatever I said, it usually took about the same amount of time. But then when, uh, what was her name, Manuel? Manuela? When she would speak it in Quiche, she would have to build in an explanation of what it was I was saying. And so I would say something for about five seconds, and Jerry would say something for five seconds, and then she would start speaking, and I'd have to do this number. And then when she got done, I was like, all right, what in the world did I just say? Uh, where am I at in my notes? <laughs> and so I found out very quickly that a 25-minute message was going to become about an hour and 10 minutes. And so I had, y'all would have been proud of me. Man, I had, I cut so much out of that, but I got the most compliments. I think that people like short messages. Uh, who was it? Somebody told me, if you're not hitting oil, stop boring. So I don't know if, if that had something to do with it or not. But it was a, a, a great, oh, yeah, very funny. Great trip to Guatemala. wasn't my first time in a third world country. I was deployed overseas about 10, 12 years ago. But it was my first time going overseas as a Christian. It was my first time as a Christ follower laying eyes on a third world country where people just lived life on a poverty level that was totally foreign to me. The uh, the village of Chehiup, which I think is how we pronounce it. I, I don't have it spelled the way it's supposed to be spelled, but I've got it spelled the way I'm going to pronounce it. The village name was Chehiup. And uh, I believe that one of the shots that was kind of overlooking this tiny village nestled in the mountains was Chehiup. So it's a little town out in the middle of the jungle. And it's poor. Most of the kids had clothes, but... But many of them didn't have shoes, and those that did have shoes, you saw the picture. I mean, they have toes poking out of their shoes, or, or they would be wearing pants that were way too big for them, or shirts with holes in them. And, and then some of the kids had, like, Air Apostle clothes and Hollister, and I don't really understand how that got there. But you know, some of the kids were, were okay dressed, but many of them, many of them weren't. And it's warm now, but I imagine as the elements get a little less favorable, then that's going to become a, a bigger concern for them. Trash littered the streets. I mean, it would take all of us days just to walk around one block and pick up the trash. I mean, they, they just they don't value clean streets. And so trash littered the dirt roads. Uh, they did have a limited plumbing. I can't really go into detail because it's maybe not church appropriate, but, but whatever did get flushed just wound up going to the nearest PVC pipe, which leaked out into the nearest stream. And so that waterfall might have looked pretty, but I don't know how close the nearest village was to the top of it. So it's probably not ideal for swimming. I mean, you couldn't you couldn't brush your teeth with the water. You couldn't cook with the water. You had to uh, boil it to purify it. The dishes were done with uh, a little bit of Clorox in the water. And it just it's not Crozet, Virginia, right? But it didn't prevent the kids who grew up with extreme poverty from having a blast playing with something as simple as a soccer ball or a football ball or whatever they would call it over there. But, I mean, you just take one little ball and kick it in the field. Next thing you know, the kids are coming out of the woodworks just to chase around the fat gringo and play soccer. I mean, the, the kids were happy, which is weird because here we're used to kids that seem to have everything under the sun, but they're bored and... And they don't have any friends, and they don't want to do this, and I'm lonely. And 
And it's kind of weird that we go to a third world country where people are experiencing happiness and contentment on a level that's kind of unfamiliar to me. But even though they were happy playing with a soccer ball, that doesn't do much for the eternal destiny of their soul, does it? It doesn't do much for that longing that they still have for that creator that's placed that longing, that, that need of fulfillment within them. The question is, what are they going to find to fill that? Are they going to find that fulfillment in a soccer ball, or do they need something more? Do they need the gospel of Christ? But uh, it, it was a blast talking to the kids. I'm going to end up talking way longer than five minutes, so I'll, I'll try to squeeze that down into a, a few less. But it was great running around with the kids. That's what we spent the majority of our time doing. We would go to uh, villages, and we would kind of circle the place a couple of times, screaming, Actividad in El Campo, activity in the camp. And the kids knew what that meant. They knew it meant go to the soccer field. And by soccer field, I mean the dirt field that had softball-sized stones all over it. I don't know how they play on this thing, but they do. And so we'd round them up and kick around the soccer ball, and then we'd get them all in a group, and we would do some songs, and we'd do some puppet shows, and, and uh, we'd have some Bible stories that were translated into Spanish and Quiche. And uh, overall, we just had a blast ministering specifically to the kids of at least three villages. I was uh, able to converse with them in my fluent Spanish, and the stories they had were, okay, yeah, Walt knows that I'm not fluent in Spanish, but I'll tell you what, thousands of miles away from here, there is a village with a lot of little kids that know me as the Gordo Loco Gringo that could say nothing all week but Donde esta el baño, which, for those of you that are not Spanish speakers, is where is the bathroom, and so that was about as fluent as I got But I want to share with you two things that impacted me on this trip. And one of them is the fact that La Iglesia Bautista, the Baptist church there, isn't the only church in Chehiyup. Today, as I stand here, it is not the only church that's preparing for worship services in that small village. In fact, there are well over a dozen other churches. But what I can promise you is that those other churches, so-called, they're not preaching the gospel. In fact, many of them condemned us from the time we hit the ground because they were so legalistic that they taught their people that if they played soccer on the soccer field, they were going to hell. And so here we go, trying to get all the kids on the soccer field so that we can share the gospel with them. So there are other buildings there, but there are not enough churches there to meet the needs of the people in that village. The sad truth is that there is no shortage of assemblies, both in Guatemala, here in Crozea. There is no shortage of assemblies worldwide that might come together on Sundays, come together on days of worship, that aren't presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're either so bound up in their religiosity that the Spirit's gone from the building, or there was never enough gospel there in the first place to even bring the Spirit in. And so the question for us is, is this, if the people of God don't joyfully take the good news of God, the news of redemption and salvation and forgiveness that's found only in the cross of Christ, then how in the world can we ever expect these villages in Guatemala to really be presented with the true undiluted gospel? I mean, do we really think that we can just sit here and think about all these obscure villages and hope that the gospel gets to them? Or do we want to get involved and actually take it to them? Do we want to sit back and watch it like a TV show, or do we want to, I'm going to start Baptist cussing up here in a second. (laughs) What are we going to do? Are we going to sit and listen to cool stories, or do we want to plug into it? And I'm not saying that everybody here needs to go to Guatemala. I'm not saying that everybody here needs to empty their pockets so that people can go to Guatemala. But I'm saying we can all pray for it, right? But Jesus said what? He said, look at the fields. They're ready for the harvest. It's not that the fruit is lacking. But what is? Laborers. And the problem is there are so many other laborers of a false gospel that seem to be willing to work twice as hard as we are because they're the ones that are out there in these villages getting to them before we do. So not only do we have to combat the the, the regular opposition to the gospel, but now we've got these other groups that go in under the guise of Christianity that are anything but. What are we going to do about it? I'm so far off my notes. The second thing that struck me was this. Oh, I'm speaking way too long. All right, enough notes. Let me just talk. The second thing that struck me was this. Being there in this third world country, staring at people who were dirt poor, looking at people as we tried to do limited health care, we tried to teach them Bible stories. There was some one-on-one and small group discipleship going on with with some locals there that were really being trained to be pastors there. I found myself asking myself one night this 
I said, man, I, I feel like I'm getting a peek into the life of Christ because for the last years we've gone through the book of Mark, we've seen Jesus doing exactly that, right? From one village to the next, presenting the good news of the kingdom, healing people, ministering to them, loving them. And as we were doing that in Chehub, I was asking myself, man, what would it be like if Jesus was here? And it was like the Holy Spirit knocked, knocked me on the shoulder and said, hey, doofus, what, what did Jesus say to you? Jesus said, I am with you always. Jesus said, you are my body. And so Jesus was there in Chehub, walking the streets, loving people. As God's people love with the love of Christ, people experience the love of Christ. When we give people the grace that we've experienced from God, then people experience the grace of Christ. So where God's people go, Jesus is present there among them in some heebie-jeebie, super spiritual way that I can't understand. But I know that Jesus said, hey, authority is mine. I've got all power. And now you need to go worldwide and spread the good news of my forgiveness to the entire world, and I'm with you. And so are we going to sit back and wait for somebody else to do it? Or do we want to get into this game? That's my question for you this morning. Thanks. I am so, so nervous. So bear with my sweaty hands and shaky feet and shaky voice. Um, This was my third trip to Guatemala. Um, It was my first time going with um, a mother's heart. Um, The last two times I'd went, I was actually not married and didn't have any kids. Um, and I'm just going to read my notes. <laughs> it, um, it broke my heart to see these little kids with um, no clean water to drink, um, to see them with no shoes and playing on streets that just had waste-filled water um, running down them, to see a young school-age girl covered in bug bites to the point she was bleeding from them all over her face, um, all over her body. And my, what I really want to talk about um, is this particular girl. She would, um, she would sit outside of the mission home that we stayed at, um, just hoping to get some attention, just a smile or a hi or some food or just some even leftover food that we had eaten. Um, this young girl didn't even know her own name, um, which was sad. The locals didn't know where she came from. Um, She would just show up and just not be a nuisance, just quietly just sit out there just wanting someone to love on her. Uh And that girl broke my heart in so many ways because I was drawn to her. Uh And if I were to be honest, sometimes I would feel like that little girl and I would fail miserably to do things on my own. I feel like I would have to sit outside, kind of hide and wait for God not to be mad at me and approach me. Um, But in that moment, God gently reminded me, said, Sarah, I don't regret saving you. I know what I was doing, and I know what I was getting myself into. Remember, I chose you. You didn't choose me on your own. I chose you. Willingly, joyfully, graciously, I chose you. You are beautiful and precious to me, and your weakness is where my grace and love shine through. So my week in Guatemala, Guatemala, God used this little girl, in Richard's words, to peel another layer like an onion, and I totally hear him saying that in the donkey from Shrek's voice. Um, That that one. Um, Uh, of this beautiful, mysterious, head-scratching, yet simple thing called grace. Um, It's totally undeserved, but in John Piper's words, he has turned a wretch into his treasure and a rebel into his bride. Um, So that week in Guatemala, um, I learned a lot of lessons, but that was one to to see that as a daughter of God that because of what Christ did, I can approach boldly to the throne room of God and not have to sit and just wait, just, I don't know, just just to sit there and wait for God not to be mad at me and approach me. And 
I think that was just a lesson learned, just what we had been learning here at Life Journey. Um, coming from a very legalist background where we always have to do, do, do um, to earn God's favor when God, Jesus, um, Jesus performed perfectly for me and in my place. And it's your turn, Emily. Hi, I'm Annalena. Actually, don't go here. I go to Trinity, but I went on the mission mission trip with y'all because I got emails from Wall about it. Um, so um, that's actually a photo of Freddie in this background. He's like, sorry. <laughs> um, he's one of the kids there, and he loved giving kisses, and he just wanted to talk with him. So, so I think that the trip was very worth it. Um, I'm nervous too. <laughs> um, when we left, I was very excited. I had always wanted to go on a mission trip um, to somewhere like Central America or something, just anywhere. And so um, it was kind of intimidating though because I didn't really know anyone besides our small little group. And there were a lot of other people, but I got to know them better. So um, that was really neat, forming friendships with everyone. Um, well, we got there, and the part that struck me is that everyone was so welcoming when we got there, and that was just really cool. And um, we like, as soon as we got there, like the kids would play basketball with us. We paint their nails, and they were just all so nice, and I just I loved it. Um, teaching, so like we would do our little teaching thing every day. And one of the parts is that <laughs> we would, um, like, do this song, and we'd do all these motions. And it really, it was really cool seeing the kids learn the motions over the week. So, like, at the beginning, they didn't really know them. And then at the end, they knew them. And it was just, like, um, like praise songs. So that was cool seeing them kind of learn that. Um, also, what I really like game time. So there was part of a video of, like, a parachute, and they were playing with it. And so just seeing all the smiles on their faces even though they were so poor was really that was really cool um it was definitely really sad to leave i didn't really want to leave um it was sad a lot of kids were crying and it was just i didn't it was so sad but it was definitely like forming friendships with those kids was it was really neat um, so <laughs> a challenge was just seeing the poverty there and just but they were so content with it. Like, they didn't know any better, but just seeing them all so happy, that was weird, because here, you know, we have everything, and yet some people are still not happy with it, so. Um, also, I learned, like, like everyone, I don't know, there they have, like, one shirt or two shirts, and we here have, like, a million shirts, so I learned not to be, like, materialistic, because they have all, like, they have one shirt, you know, and we don't really need that much, and um, I think I learned a lot and formed friendships and just teaching them and being taught at the same time from these little kids was really neat. And so I think if you're, I think just people should go and if not, just pray about it, I guess. It's really cool. It's a cool experience. So, yeah. Mariah. Okay. Uh, it's like public speaking all over again. Uh, Except in public speaking, I got a bunch of flack for like excessively shaking the podium, so I'm gonna try not to touch it. Um, <laughs> uh, well, if this seems hastily put together, it is because uh, I wrote it last night and then I forgot it at home, so I just did this this morning. Um, so I go to CNU um, in Newport News, um, and I was going to a church um, called Catalyst which actually Walt recommended to me. Um, they were doing a series called Go, um, and it spoke to me, um, but I was like, oh, maybe I'll go one day. Um, and then I got this email from Walt talking about um, a mission trip that Life Journey was going on. And well, I mean, I feel very close to Life Journey Church. Um, so I was like, well, that would be fun to do, but it costs money, and it's going to be over this summer. I want to go visit my family. I want to make money. Um, 
So maybe one day. Um, but then on Elena, right there, um, she's my fiance's little sister, um, was was like, Mariah, did you hear about the mission trip? And I was like, yeah, I thought about it. It sounds cool. And she was like, well, I really want to go. Will you go with me? And I was like, uh, yeah, let me talk to my mom. Uh, so I did. And she was like, yeah, you should do it. So I was like, all right, I'm on board. Um, I th so like, as I said, I wasn't really afraid to go. Like, I wasn't afraid for my life or anything. But it's, I guess, mm, just normal human uh, fears. Like, I was afraid of the inconvenience of going. I was afraid, um, like, oh, I could be making $500 in that time. Uh, instead, I'm spending the money to go. Um, I was afraid of the awkward situations, having to meet uh, new people, um, live with new people. Um, share bathrooms with people I don't know, uh, you know. <laughs> so it was just more inconvenient. But um, I'm glad that I got over it, and that was a lot with the help of my mom. Um, so I, as soon as I got there, uh, my worries were completely gone. Um, when we got to Chehiyup, um I was relieved because the communication was a lot better than I had thought, thank you, Western Spanish Department. Um, as much as I hated it then, I guess it was helpful. Um, and I immediately felt so much love for those people, um, more than I had ever expected that I would. Um, so uh, when I got there, I was like, okay, this is fun, but really, why did we need to go? There's like crosses everywhere, there's churches everywhere. What's the point of this? Um, it, it felt pointless at first, um, to be honest. But as the week went on, I saw that, okay, yes, most people believe in God. Um, when we went to talk to people, it was like, oh, um, do you know Jesus? And their reply would be, yes, look at my works. Um, they just didn't get it. Um, so I think our point there was to show them, no, it's not about your works. It's about... Uh, it's about your faith. It, um, just people were just so confused, and you know, it's like, oh, there's the God of the the Baptist Church. There's the God of the Catholic Church. There's there was it was so distorted. Um, I we felt, or I felt, um, sort of taken advantage of by the people there. Um, they they look at you and they're like, oh, gringa, you'll be walking down the street and the kids go, gringa, 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 and you're like, oh, okay. And they're like, they they ask for money, they ask for food, and, and it's awkward because you can't really give it to them because then they think that you're just here to give them money um, instead of giving them Christ. Um, so I felt taking ad taken advantage of, um, I mean, like that people were playing on my emotions uh, to get something out of me. Um, and that's not what I was there for. Um, but as the week progressed, I, it was so worth it. Um, I think you probably saw in the slideshow the old man writing on a piece of paper was because he had accepted Christ after um, we spoke to him. Um, and I pray that um, he truly understood and um, that he's continuing that relationship. I saw um, a 16-year-old boy accept Christ, which was really amazing because hopefully that boy will grow up and be a light for Chehayup. Um, and and the child um, asked for a Bible so that he could read it to his family. Um, so um, it, it was 100% worth it, and I would go again tomorrow. Um, I left Guatemala with more love in my heart, um, and I learned to trust God's will for me. Um, I learned that God crosses all boundaries and all language barriers. Um, so if you're like I was, you know, worried about um, the inconvenience of it, I will tell you I'm so glad that I trusted what God was saying for me I'm so glad that I went, and I think you should go if you have the opportunity.
I'm so proud of uh, Mariah and Annalena in particular as young people uh, who, uh, and every single day you saw that, that picture, I mean, every single day it was, you know, there's just tons of kids hanging on them, of course, Sarah as well, but uh, after a while, it's kind of like, okay, for me, it's like, I need some space, you know, uh, but these girls, man, um, all week long, like, they didn't care, uh, they were all over them all week long, and so it's uh, just a joy to have served with these guys, and the uh, older gentleman that Mariah just mentioned, just referenced, actually is here in this picture, his name is Francisco, and I put his picture up for my time to share, um, because uh, I don't know how old this guy is. He looks a lot older than he really is because they're the life uh, is just so much harder. And this guy's probably never stepped into air conditioning before. Um, and so uh, he might just be in his late 50s, but he looks like, you know, he's close to 80 perhaps. But his name's Francisco, and we were walking through the, the village uh, sharing Christ with whoever would listen. And uh, the, we came across this guy, and, and he is in the older generation, and so they have the older um, traditional uh, garb. Uh, wear that they wear and he, you can't see his his bottoms but it's a uh, he, he has a, um, a skirt on kind of like a kilt and that's what the older generations uh, wear it's uh, very unique um, but as these guys have mentioned the, there's there's a lot of religion in this part of the world um, you have Catholicism that ain't uh, that that dates back you know to the conquistadors you know all the way back to uh, Columbus etc but then you have a more recent wave of what we'll just label um, ultra-legalistic Protestantism, okay? And that's what Richard referenced. If you even play soccer, then you're of the world and you're not of, you know, good enough for God. And so you have these the, the, the heavy Catholic influence that say you have to do these seven sacraments of the church in order to get into heaven. And then you have this ultra-legalistic um, Protestant group influence that says, okay, you have to do all these works in order to retain your place in heaven. And so this man, Francisco, he might have this day heard the clarity, the profound simplicity of the gospel for the first time. I don't know, but it might have been the very first time in this old age to actually hear, no, it's not by works, but by grace through faith. It's not of you. It is a gift of God, Ephesians 2. And so uh, the gospel is, is, is missing, as Richard was saying plenty of religion. And the community, the lost community, is looking at these ultra-legalistic Protestants and the Catholics, and they're saying, man, what's so good about that good news that you're talking about, where this news is based solely on your performance, is based solely on your actions, rather than on the actions and the righteousness of Christ. And so Jesus says in Mark 1, 15, the very first words recorded in Mark, Jesus says, Repent, that is, change your mind and believe the good news. This good news that Jesus has come to literally take away our sin so that we could now have union with the Father. On the last night of our time there in this particular village, I think it was like Thursday night, I can't remember, but I was asked to uh, speak uh, at the village square in front of the entire village or whoever would show up. And so for the moment that I was, uh, and to talk, of course, about Jesus. And so for the moment I was asked until the moment that they handed me a microphone, I just, I just prayed continuously that God would give me the right words uh, to say, knowing that there's this tension of, of religion in the community, of this hyper-ultra-legalistic uh, um, approach, and also, you know, the, the salvation by works with the Catholic groups. And so I, I wanted to be clear I wanted to be concise, and I wanted to just simply teach and share and proclaim the simplicity of Jesus. And so the only thing I knew to do was to, t to talk, to ask about how it is the God of the Old Covenant, God of the Old Testament that we read about, is He the same God of the New Covenant, of the New Testament that we read about? In the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, we read that no one could approach this God, that no one could see Him and live. In the Old Covenant, we read that no one was united to God. No one was one with God because of His holiness that totally was separate from the wickedness of mankind. But in the New Covenant, we read that if we've seen Jesus, we've seen who? The Father. In the New Covenant, we read that we now, by grace through faith, are actually united to the Father through Jesus. And in the New Covenant, we read that 
we are one with Jesus, united to Jesus, who is one with the Father. And so the question that I just kept thinking through is, is the same God of the Old Covenant the same God of the New Covenant? Did God change? Did He change at some point to now be able to unite Himself with sinful, wicked man? Something clearly changed, right? I mean, this intimate rest that we read about in the New Covenant and that we experience on a daily basis, it was impossible in the Old Covenant. So the question is, did God change us? Did He change and become less of the holy God that He was in the Old Covenant to, to be able to unite Himself to sinful man? Or did He change us? And does He change us? And so I talked about that night, how when, when God came into the, in the flesh, and walked among this world, that, that this Jesus, he actually was strapped to a tree, nailed to a tree, and cursed as he hung on the tree, simply because of our sin, and because of his obedience to the Father. And so on that tree, the full wrath of God was poured out on the Son, because Jesus became our sin. So our sin was in fact removed from our account. And once hearing this good news, once hearing the gospel, we are actually, and believing the gospel, we're actually cut away from the body of death. And we're actually given a new man, a new creation that Paul talks about throughout Ephesians, throughout Galatians, throughout 2 Corinthians. This new creation that Ephesians 4.24 says is created in the likeness of God himself in true righteousness and true holiness. So the question I pose them is, did God change? Is God now less holy than he was back when we read about him on Mount Moriah, Mount uh, Mount uh, Sinai in the Old Testament? Is, is God less holy? Has he stopped being God? Or did he do something in us to change us from the inside out? And so I told them that there is nothing that they could ever do to warrant God's love and God's favor. God loved us, in fact, before we were even born. We can't impress him with our behavior to get into heaven, and we can't keep his affections towards us by living uh, a certain behavior and doing certain works. We are simply called to believe, to believe this good news. Believe the good news that Jesus actually, totally removed our sin from us. Believe that because of Jesus, the very same God that we read about in the Old Testament who is holy, righteous, pure, 100% God, is the same exact God in the New Covenant who has now actually come in to what? To live to reign in us. He hasn't changed, but on Christ, in Christ, we have changed. He has cut us away from this body of sin. So after I, I spoke that night, I don't know if anybody believed in Jesus that night and the simplicity of the message that it's to Jesus and Jesus alone, but I can only pray that there was those who decided that night to begin to believe. After I spoke that night, I thought, you know what? This, this same message that Paul spoke to the Galatians, that Paul spoke to the Colossians, that he spoke to all of those in the Mediterranean area, is the same exact gospel that needs to be clearly preached in this village of Guatemala. There is all sorts of signs of religion, but there is a deadness in the heart because of a lack of Jesus, because of confusion that Mariah was just talking about. Then I got to think, you know what? That's the exact same message that needs to be clearly preached here in Crozet. That is Jesus and Jesus alone who has taken our sin upon himself. It's Jesus and Jesus alone who bore the full wrath of God on that cross. It's Jesus and Jesus alone who we are able to be united to now in this new creation. We are the new creation, but it's Jesus' life that gives our new creation life. He is the vine. We are the branches. And so I pray that we as a church, that we continue to dive in deeper and deeper to understand man, what Jesus has actually done. There is only one gospel. There's not a gospel of this church and a gospel of that church and a gospel over here. In fact, when Paul was talking to the Galatians, he says, if anybody comes to you and preaches a gospel other than what I originally preached, even if it's me, even if it's an angel from heaven, if anyone, Paul said, let him be what? Accursed. There is one gospel. There is one baptism. There is one Jesus. I grew up thinking in America, we, we do church here in the States and then around the world they do missions. I don't even know whether that, what that means, but that's just what I thought growing up. But what I'm learning more and more is like, look, there is one message. There is one mission. 
And the very same thing we're doing here in Crozet is the very same thing they're doing there, they're trying to do there, that we're trying to do here. And that is to preach the, and proclaim the simplicity. Profound, yes, but the simplicity of Jesus and Jesus alone. Before we moved here to Crozet, um, to start Life Journey Church, um, one of the best bits of coaching that we were given was, Walt, when you, when you go to plant Life Journey Church, build in at the beginning what you want to see in the end. And at the time, I really didn't understand that exactly. I was like, what? Why would we do that? We're not going to be able to do everything at the beginning, what we want to be doing. He said, no, no, it's not about doing everything, but lay in the foundation and the groundwork at the beginning, the things you want to see in the end. So that means that if we wanted one day to be a church plant that was active in our community, when people, if, if Life Journey Church were to shut its doors, the community would be like, man, where'd that church go? If we want to be that kind of church, then we knew that we had to build that in at the beginning in order for that to ever take root in the end. This means if we wanted to be a church plant that would value people over just having a bunch of programs, then we knew that we would have to build that into the DNA early if we were ever going to see that come to fruition later. That means that if we want to build in at the beginning what we want to see in the end, that means that we, if we wanted to multiply disciples, groups, and churches then we knew that we better start building that in from the very beginning. Yeah, we're not going to plan a new church in the first year of our existence, but we knew that we better build that in now and not wait till year 10 to start talking about planting new churches. Build it in at the beginning. When we trusted God to leave everything we knew and move here to Crozet to, be, to begin Life Journey Church, I can honestly say that we had no clue about what we were doing and what we were going to do that needed to get done once we got here. And some of that, honestly, probably still true. We had no, no idea of exactly how to do it. But what we did know, we knew that God had given us a dream of being a part of a church that was equally committed to spreading the fame of God to our neighbors here in Crozet, in Waynesboro, Afton, Charlottesville, etc., but be equally committed to that and committed to spreading His fame to the nations around the world. So we took that bit of coaching, build in the beginning what you want to see in the end. We took that to heart. We tried our best. We've tried our best to start putting puzzle pieces, blocks together of what needs to happen in order for life journey to become one day what God downloaded into our hearts several years ago. I mean, this includes how we do community groups, how we do the Sunday gathering, how we do kids ministry. We, we're not there but we know we've got to start building in the blocks early to see it all come to fruition one day. When I told a couple of church plant buds that we were going to, uh, on our first mission trip, they said, are you crazy? Like, why are we crazy for doing this? What did I not think about? I said, man, you've got tons of people here in Crozet that, that don't know the Lord. You're going to spend money, time, resources on, on, on sending people overseas to share the God? Man, you've got plenty of people right here. And, and he's right. He's totally right. Our city is in desperate need of Jesus. But I also know that we must build in the beginning what we want to see in the end. Dream with me for a second. I mean, just dream with me. Let's fast forward Life Journey Church 10 years. We're about to hit one year next week. Let's fast forward another nine years, another, another 15 years, another 20 years. Just dream with me for a second. Some of you guys have built stuff from scratch. Just, just dream with me for a second. If in 10 years from now, if we want to be a church that has embraced an unreached people group, and if we in 10 years from now, if we want to be sending multiple small groups of people from Life Journey to reach this unreached people group, and if, if we are supporting a local church planter in that area who is full-time, I mean, if, if we're going to be there 10 years, 15, 20 years from now, I mean, let's just dream, then we better start building in now what we want to see happening then we try to do this in everything i mean rachel browning right now in journey kids she is working on developing a preschool team leader a an elementary team leader and a nursery team leader to oversee the the journey kids ministries right now we have about you know 30 35 kids on the good day that come to life journey we don't need all those different departments right now 
but we're not building for right now. We're building in at the beginning what God wants to see in the end. You see that? And so we're going to do that same thing here when it comes to missions, to our, our mission of spreading the fame of God to the nations. Our strategy is the same. We're going to try to build in the beginning what we want to see in the end. You all know, Richard just mentioned it, that he went to Indiana to raise more support. You all know that Richard and I are still on support from other churches and individuals to even live here. You know that. We're seen by many of them as missionaries here to Crozet, to, to Plant Life Journey Church. But even though we're not drawing full support yet from Life Journey, we will one day, but we have already, in 2012 and 2013, already given over $40,000 from your offerings over $40,000 to see the fame of God spread to our neighbors and to the nations. Now, some people would say, you're crazy. You're crazy. Why are you taking that money, sending it out, when, when, when you're not even sure if you're going to have support next month? You're going to have a rent. You're going to have electricity. Why? I mean, you could spend that on yourselves. Why are we doing it? Because we want to build in the beginning what we want to see in the end. Listen, if in 10 years from now, let's go back to that dream. If in 10 years from now, uh, we want to embrace an unreached people group, if in 10 years from now, we want to send monthly trips of five, six people overseas to support a local church planner who is penetrating into the darkness of an unreached people group, if we want to see that 10 years, you know, we might be spending in 10 years $40,000 a month to support that sort of work. That stuff takes money. So we're just building in at the beginning what we want to see happen in the end. Prayerfully, these signs that hang behind us aren't just platitudes. Hopefully, we're starting to see. Now, we are here to actually spread the fame of God to our neighbors and to the nations. When it's all said and done, and when Jesus either comes back or we're dead and gone, all right, I hope that we all are starting to believe that the legacy of Life Journey Church will be that Life Journey Church existed to spread the fame of God to their neighbors and to the nations. I hope that's what we're starting to really believe, that we're starting to really see. We have the opportunity in these first few years of life journey to begin to build in the building blocks of what that legacy will be one day. It's not likely that we'll have an unreached people group identified by January of 2014, and it's not likely that we're going to have a... a, a a, a, an indigenous church planter that we're supporting full-time in January of 14. That's not, that's not likely. One day. But I tell you what we can do in January of 14, in February of 14, et cetera, the year of 2014, we can build another block. We can make another step of building in at the beginning what we want to see in the end. The Scripture teaches us in Revelation 7 that one day every single tribe and tongue will be represented before the throne, every single one. We know what it's going to look like, but we have the opportunity to actually be a part of that, to actually see unreached peoples become reached for the glory of God. This is a picture of the welcome to sign of the next village past the village we were at. Bienvenidos, all you Spanish majors out there, right? It means welcome, right? It says, Bienvenidos to the house of Pasa Shehuyup. Now, we, we've said the name of the village that we were at is called Shehuyup. This next village is called Pasa Shehuyup. You know what that means in English? Past Shehuyup, all right? It just means, that's the village past Shehuyup, all right? It's kind of weird, like, hey, I live in Crozet. No, I live in past Crozet, you know? This is what I want us to see. I don't know when we'll be going back in 2014, but in Mark chapter 1, verse 38, Jesus had separated himself from all the commotion. He was praying. And Peter comes running and says, what are you doing over here praying, Jesus? All the crowds are over here. We need to go back to the villages we came from to proclaim your name. Does anybody remember what Jesus said? He said something to the effect of, oh, listen, Peter, it's time for us to go to the next village to the next village, so that I might preach there also. For that is why I came out. You know, I can't think of that verse. The next village, the village past this village, and not think of 
Pasa, Shehut. It's the very next village. There's a little Catholic church here. There's a little, one of these little legalistic Protestant churches that I was talking about earlier. But there's not the clarity of the gospel in Pasa, Shehut. We drove up there, and it's literally like straight up the mountain. That's why I played the song, Go Tell It on the Mountain, because literally, we will be on a mountain proclaiming the excellencies of Christ. And we were up there, and uh, we were actually invited. They invited Life Journey Church to come back, to, to come to Pastor Shehub. The, the, the director of the school there asked us to come. I don't know. We don't have the details of when that's going to happen. But what I do know is that we're going to build another block. We're going to build in another step at the beginning, what we want to see one day in the end. So I encourage you, when we get the details together, to pray about being a part of it. Whether physically, that's great. But if it doesn't work because of, you know, work time, schedule, family, whatever, you certainly give. In fact, of the five people that went, I think uh, there was two that I know of full scholarships that were given by you to help pay for others. That's awesome. The, last, the first time I went to Shehuyup was in 2010, and this is where we're going to close. And in 2010, I learned of their strategy to plant a church in Shehuyup that then reached the people of Shehuyup, but then their strategy was to reach the villages surrounding, like Pasa, Shehuyup, like Pancanaldos that, we that we were part of, like Pocho that we went to a couple of times. They want to plant a church and then methodically plant churches and villages that surround. And I just thought to myself, you know what? What better thing to commit my life to the rest, the rest of my life to than in planting a gospel-centered, grace-driven church somewhere with the goal of multiplying disciples, groups, and churches in the surrounding regions, in the surrounding area. And so in 2011, we moved here to plant Life Journey Church because of what we saw happening in Guatemala. Now, I have no idea how this will happen, but I do know that we can build in at the beginning what we want to see in the end. We've seen several families starting to come to Life Journey Church from Waynesboro. A couple weeks ago, we had that mission team from Suffolk that came, remember, during Love Week? Well, one of the days I had them take brochures about Life Journey Church to the park in Waynesboro to tell them about Life Journey Church. Not so that we could get a bunch of Waynesboro folk to start coming to Life Journey. That's not the point. But the point is so that we could take what God is doing here at Life Journey and multiply it into Waynesboro, to multiply it into Stanton, to wherever God so leads. I mean, I have no idea. I just know that there's a dream. And I just want to start building in at the beginning what God would have us to see happen in the end. We can't wait till we get to a certain age of a church to start working on this, to start planning this. We want to build in the beginning what we believe God wants to see in the end. His fame being spread, disciples being multiplied, groups being multiplied, churches being multiplied, all centered around the profound simplicity of Jesus. Let's bow our heads this morning. We're going to pray. Our band's going to come up and we're going to lead us in a, in a final worship song. Um, and I just, I just want to challenge us all. The last thing I want to happen this morning is, you know, hey, my emotions are all high. I've seen pictures of kids. I've heard testimonies of people. And, hey, I'm all charged emotionally. Let's, let's go and I'll go on the next trip. Sign me up this, this minute. I mean, I, I certainly want you to participate, but I don't want you to participate because of just emotionalism. I want us all to reflect in this moment on the very grace of God that has saved your soul. The fact that you were dead in your sin, dead in your transgressions. But Ephesians 2.4 says, but God has made you alive in Christ. He has raised you and seated you with Christ in the heavenlies. And this is all by His grace. So I challenge us this morning to, to reflect, to think about the very grace of God. That if it were not for Him, we would be following the course of this world destined for a Christless hell. 
this morning if you don't believe in Jesus. What are you waiting for? I beg you to believe. Richard and I will be in the back, but if you want to come talk, I'd be fine. But, but I want us to spend just a couple of minutes to just think, man, God, thank you so much for what you've done. And out of a heart of gratitude, out of a heart of joy, out of a heart that has been transformed, that has been made new, say, God, I'm willing to do whatever you want, to go wherever you want me to go, to my neighbors next door, to the nations around the world. I can't do it on my own. God, I need you. And I can guarantee you, I can't guarantee a whole lot of things in life, but I can guarantee you that God will direct your steps. He will direct your path as we lay our lives before him as living sacrifices. Father, I just thank you for this morning. Thank you for this moment of just worship, of hearing these testimonies, of hearing the goodness of Jesus. And God, I, just, I know that we're young, not even a year old, but God, you've given us a dream to spread your fame here in Crozet to our neighbors in Waynesboro and Afton, Charlottesville, etc. But God, also to the nations. And we certainly don't have all the plans figured out. We certainly don't have it all understood. But God, we want to be your vessels. We want to be your hands. We want to be your feet. We want to share the love of Christ with the unlovely in this world. Whether that's my neighbor, and it is, or whether that's with the nations around the world, and it is. God, I just pray that you would help us, that you'd guide us to become a church that when it's all said and done, it will be said of this church, that church spread the fame of God to the neighbors and to their nations. So God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for these whom you're coming and you're bringing to be a part of this family. God, help us to build these blocks, to put, build into the beginning what we want to see you do in the end. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Life Journey Church. Feel free to distribute this podcast, but please do not charge for it or alter it in any way. For more information about Life Journey Church, visit us at www.lifejourneyva.com.